0: Hello, friends. Today's guest on the podcast is Maya Madare. Maya is a 21-year-old comp kid from Austin, Texas, who is currently studying computer science at Stanford University. We talked about Maya's self-coaching for competitions and how she used what she calls up-down-ups to train her endurance to become a better sport climber. We talked about her gap year that she spent traveling around the world, competing and climbing, about some of the strategies she's used to become more comfortable with competing and to perform under pressure, and her most memorable competition moment. We also talked about windsurfing, power screams, outdoor goals, the Olympics, food, favorite desserts, and what Maya has been grateful for and thinking about lately. Maya also shared a plug for one of her sponsors during the episode, and they were generous enough to create a promo code for you guys, and I'll share that at the end of the episode. So be sure to stick around for that after the music. We were practicing social distancing for this episode. We recorded at a park sitting six feet apart, and there's a little background noise throughout. I hope it's not too distracting, and I hope you are all healthy and well as you're listening to this. I've got a bunch of great episodes coming up, and I am more excited about this thing than ever. Thank you guys for listening, as always. Please enjoy this Honest Conversation with Maya it. So you're from Austin, Texas. You're going to school in Stanford. Yeah. So I thought we could start with uh, what you're doing here. <laughs> where, um, where are we and what is it that you're doing here?
1: So we're in Hood River, Oregon, uh, which is this tiny little town on the Columbia River. And my family goes here every summer. I guess we've been going since I was like eight, maybe even younger. But my dad is really into windsurfing. So that's like our family sport. And Yeah, you're not
0: really a climbing family. Yeah. No, like. not
1: really. I, I mean, I got into climbing like independently and kind of dragged everyone else into it. OK. <laughs> but um, yeah, we definitely were originally a windsurfing family and we come here every year for like six weeks and just sail. And it's awesome. It's super fun. Um, I love this town. It's like a second home to me. It's like very small, very, you know it's it's got a real summer vibe it does especially a lot of childhood memories
0: yeah nice where do you guys stay when you're here
1: um we have been renting the same house for like a few years we used to hop around between different rental houses it's we kind of play about year we usually reserve it pretty far in advance okay you know it's hard to do long-term rentals because this is a tourism town so yeah but yeah we, we basically just live here every summer
0: okay and it's it's been really interesting because I met you at the cliff yeah. And it sounds like this is the first year that you actually were aware that there was any yeah. climbing
1: here. I Actually, so last year, I I hadn't been coming for the whole vacation that my family normally takes Okay. Um, for the past few years because I was occupied with climbing and training, and I didn't want to take six weeks off of climbing. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, there was no gym in Hood River until this year. They mm. just opened a little bouldering gym. Actually, literally one block from the house where I'm staying. Oh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's perfect. Um, It's called Brimstone Boulders, so hit them up if you're ever around, I guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If this pandemic ends and you come through Hood River. Yeah.
1: Cool. Um, But, yeah, I was desperate to find somewhere to climb here last year because I wanted to come and, you know, sail and hang out with my family. But I also didn't want to not climb for several weeks. And I ran across Viento and just it was super convenient so close to hood river really nice crag really reminds me of jailhouse which is where i spend a lot of time because i'm going to stanford and it's nearby yeah but yeah i've been really psyched this year to get out because i've kind of discovered a new appreciation for like outdoor sport climbing
0: hmm. okay um,
1: so i'm really glad to have viento around
0: nice it's been interesting because I'm really excited on the days when it's really windy because conditions are better, and <laughs> yeah. Maya just disappears from the crack. She's like, sweet, it's windy, I'm out of here, peace out. Yeah,
1: I've been known to bail, like, halfway through a sesh because the wind <laughs> comes up.
0: <laughs> so is that is that because you're prioritizing family time right now, or are you genuinely just more psyched on windsurfing than, than sport climbing right now, or... Um, yeah, I mean,
1: I love not... windsurfing, and I've been doing it since I was, you know, eight, but it's very condition dependent. Like we say climbing is condition dependent, Mm. windsurfing is like literally everything is conditions. Okay. Like There is no sport without conditions. And so (laughs) I guess it's kind of part of the windsurfing culture to really be ready to drop everything and go sailing when it gets windy. And it's just kind of how it is. I don't know, that's just the way my family always operates when we're here is like, you know, we do fun things, we do a lot of other stuff besides sailing actually, but then as soon as it's windy we just drop whatever we're doing and go Mm. sail. And I feel like I am not obligated, but it, it's just like the best strategy to take advantage of that, like when I have it here. Because for okay. most of the year, I don't get to sail at all. Okay. Um, windsurfing is very—it's not something I'm very ambitious in. It's it's more experience oriented than goal oriented, so it's, I have kind of a different relationship with windsurfing than I do with climbing. Hmm. But yeah, right now definitely if it's if it's windy and I have to decide between it sailing or climbing sailing wins over yeah at this
0: moment <laughs> nice so describe what the rig looks like because I go down to the water it's really fun on rest days to go down to the water and watch everybody doing yeah. whatever they're doing and there's so many different things going oh yeah on. there's like high like, borders there's there. like yeah so many different contraptions so maybe tell me what a few of them are and then what is it that you do and what does your family do
1: um, okay, so there's the big ones that look like, well, they, they are a kite that fly on really long lines, like a big curved, like almost looks like a parachute, but it's a kite, and that's kiteboarding. Um, we don't do that. Okay. We windsurf, which is the little triangular sails that you see like attached like a surfboard. Okay. Um, and... Like a sailboat
0: surfboard. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's like a it's like a sailboat surfboard hybrid. Okay. Um, And the sail is like kind of a complicated contraption that rigs on like a mast and a boom, and there's all sorts of adjustments. And the basic premise is that it feels like surfing, but it works like sailing. Like the physics is like a sailboat, but the actual like sport is more like surfing. Mm. Not that I've actually done very much real sailing or surfing. Okay. (laughs) Um, But. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it takes a lot of time to learn. Okay. Um, and it's also a dying sport. It's so hmm. much gear and so much hassle and so many years you have to invest to actually enjoy it that most of the people that do it are, you know, 50 to 70. Okay. And then, you know, whatever children that they've managed to drag into it with them, which is, you know, how my family works. My parents are really into it, and then my, me and all my siblings got into it because of that, but... We never would have done it independently.
0: Okay. Do you think you would continue to do it if, you're, if your family lost interest or if you were living somewhere else or something?
1: Um, my dad is never gonna stop windsurfing. Yeah. That is a fact of life. So.
0: I guess I'm asking like how much you love it for its own sake at this point. I mean,
1: point. not enough to buy and maintain a full quiver, okay. I think. Got I it. don't think that I could own or store or transport all the gear Mm. that I would need and I also don't live in a place where I mean I guess Texas is not really a place where I could do it very frequently (laughs) and neither really is the bay it's you know being in school or presumably having a full-time job once I graduate will not be conducive to being able to go sailing Mm -hmm. so I don't think that it's kind of a special thing and that like it's very tied to my family for me it's not a sport that i can just go do on my own it's very community based so i don't know i i appreciate that about it but it also makes it kind of a pain in the butt sometimes
0: (laughs) cool uh let's get to more of the climbing then so you're coming around to sport climbing yeah and that all kind of came out of jailhouse
1: um. Actually, not really. I kind of hated Jailhouse for a while. Okay. It's um, really the precipitating event was that I, well, I, I moved to California. I went to college, and suddenly I had a lot of really good sport climbing around within, you know, weekend trippable distance.
0: What are some other examples? Because you're in the Bay Area, right? Stanford's yeah, like I mean, just we've, we
1: just make long road trips to, like, Red Rocks and Bishop and Yosemite and... Oh, okay. Yeah. And then Jailhouse is probably my most frequented crag during the school year and Mm. then I made a couple trips to rifle to I just started traveling a lot more specifically to climb outside okay whereas previously I had spent most of my traveling doing comps and then if there was a cool crag nearby I would go for one or two days like after the comp okay but when school started I didn't have as much you know Time training resources to put into comps and I also was no longer in the youth circuit and I couldn't really travel internationally during the school year so I kind of shifted focus to climbing outside a little bit more and at first I kind of did both sport climbing and bouldering but you know I I, I was never much of a sport climber before a couple years ago okay when I forgot to register for bouldering nationals (laughs) <laughs> and then I was very sad, but I decided to try to train for Sport Nationals because, you know, I, I had never dedicated more than about two weeks to training for sport in, okay. in a year. Because I had always just been, okay, it's bouldering season until youth divisionals. And then after that, I trained for sport climbing until youth nationals. And then I go back to training for bouldering.
0: I, I was kind of under the impression that most comp kids spend like half the year doing each of those things. That, that,
1: I think that is the case for many people.
0: Okay, but not I for
1: in In Texas or in Austin specifically, there was no good sport climbing gym
0: Got it. Okay. for me to
1: train in for most of the time. And I also just preferred bouldering. I didn't have... A regular climbing partner that I could train with so it was easier to just be able to go into the gym by myself and you know do my thing okay. and it's I, I just for whatever reason I really gravitated toward bouldering but then that season when I I actually ended up doing terribly at sport nationals but I, I trained really hard for it and for the first time in my life I had enough endurance that I was able to you know actually have some goals in terms of sending grades outside Okay. and I don't know. It was it was really fun. I had never, I I kind of knew that I had never really experienced what sport climbing is supposed to be like because I never trained for it. But once I did have that baseline of endurance, I found a lot more motivation to try hard outside Mm. on sport climbs instead of just you know previously had kind of been. Oh, you know, this is like a fun thing I do in between competitions, you know, to like de-stress or whatever Because, you know, I loved it, but I never, I was never, I never had any any sport climbing goals outside But then that kind of changed when I forgot to register for bouldering and decided to become a sport climber (laughs) And then after that, yeah, I don't know, I just, I got really psyched on it and decided that that was a skill I wanted to develop Okay So I just kept doing it
0: How are you feeling about your Viento season so far?
1: Oh, I mean, it's been fun 'Cause from my
0: perspective you're like smashing things. You know, I talked to you about doing this and you're like, I don't know, I haven't really like won any big comps and I haven't really sent anything hard outside, so I don't know. I think you said like, I don't know if I'm really that relevant.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've kind of <laughs> fallen off the face of the earth probably from the perspective of most of the climbing community. I don't know, I just I kind of feel like I've just been kinda of chilling and climbing outside for nice. a while.
0: I I had think for a good, listeners, you've been putting down like thirteen B's and C's in like a session or two.
1: yeah, well, yeah, Vint is a particular style that I'm getting used to, but I think it suits me okay um pretty well. I also am kind of I'm not really confident with my level of fitness at the moment because I haven't actually trained in you know since before March, I guess. Just because of, you know, gyms closing and having to, you know, move home from the bay and not really being able to train. So I feel like it's been interesting in that I've developed a lot of skills, like, independently of just having fitness. Okay. But I I think that I'm still not, I I feel like I'm in, like, off-season climbing.
0: Okay. I was actually, I'm really curious about that. So prior to this year, you would still come here and windsurf. It sounds Mm -hmm. like not for the whole six weeks. I would come
1: for like a week or two for like the past couple years. I actually think I didn't come at all two years ago because I was in Europe doing World Cups. Okay. Three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. And then for the past two years, I've come for like a couple weeks. I was actually only planning on coming for a couple weeks this time and then going back to Texas to train, but then Texas really had a lot of coronavirus so Mm. i decided not to do that
0: okay (laughs) gotcha did they try to open everything up and then shut everything Um, back down yeah
1: they basically did yeah so i'm i'm here for at least another month okay mostly because of that but i think that it's actually been kind of good not to train okay a while because i've never really taken a a break like that and i've especially have never pursued like any specific goals outside Mm. so i think it Long-term is good for my development as a climber, but at the moment, not great for general fitness.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> what did your off-seasons look like prior to this year?
1: I don't really think I had any. I okay. Think a lot of the reason <laughs> oh, one why A one-week trip so
0: to the Hood River? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, when I was in, probably before I was 16, I would still come here for the majority of the time every year. So that would be my off-season was summer, which was another reason why I didn't really ever get into competitive sport climbing as a kid because I was here so I couldn't train Mm. and when from the time I was probably about 16 to now I had never taken more than like a week off of climbing at all like ever wow (laughs) and I had been told by many people that this was a bad idea Hmm. but I am very stubborn so I did not listen
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I've never really had any serious injuries been very very lucky I've had some kind of finger tweaks that put me out for like a week and then I would be back, you know, slowly ramping up. But, yeah, it's kind of hard designating an off season, especially once I started doing the open comps. And like the one year when I tried to do the whole World Cup circuit, I actually I didn't do all the comps. I did probably like definitely more than half, I think.
0: When was this? Of the
1: bouldering. Uh, This was 2018.
0: Okay.
2: I
1: think I, I could be wrong. I think it was 2018. And it's very exhausting to be, like, constantly competing because that year I did, like, a comp every weekend, basically. Yeah. And I learned the hard way that it is not sustainable to be trying to be peaking consistently for an entire year. Right. Because um, I, I, my performance went down, and I did have a bunch of little injuries and tweaks and things. Okay. So don't try this at home.
0: <laughs> Got you. So you do you feel better taking this time off or is it just a sense that like okay I've never done this and I've you know most people say I should that sort of thing or
1: um well I mean it was kind of a forced rest right like I was I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have to but I think it's kind of I'm looking on the bright side saying that it's probably good for me to take some time off and focus on you know rehabbing the nagging pains that I never pay attention to
0: yeah it's an interesting insight for me that Uh, taking time off for you is climbing three days in a row at Viento and climbing 513s. I mean
1: they're half days and then like yeah and
0: then the other half of the day you're windsurfing.
1: (laughs) Yeah it's I don't know I have this I've always had this kind of definitely incorrect thought that climbing outside and training are like Different enough that they don't count. Like you can count one as a rest day when you're doing the other one.
0: Okay. You know? <laughs> Interesting.
1: Like, I don't know. I don't nothing like hurts very much. So yeah. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm probably not overdoing it that much. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm sure but... this I get it though. I think like the intensity of what you've been doing is probably quite low relative to your usual training.
1: Yeah, I definitely I'm I'm a bit of an over-trainer. I tend to second guess myself about what exactly I need to be doing, so I go quantity over quality because I'm like "Ah, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if this is the most efficient way to to get better at this so I'm just gonna do it all
0: are you self-coached
1: um yeah I've had I've worked with a lot of coaches but I I don't really have anyone who tells me you know what to do or makes me training plans okay yeah I kind of just I really kind of play it by ear with training
0: that's really interesting
1: I have been chastised for this strategy. Okay. So I, I'm not recommending it.
0: By fellow competitors or <laughs> by who? Um.
1: Yeah. Mostly like close friends who also compete, who are maybe enjoying a little bit more success than me, and are like, you know, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: but
1: I, yeah, I, I guess I kind of grew up sort of being on a youth team, but also training myself on the side. Okay. Um. And then once I transitioned, kind of out of the youth. To the structure of having a coach. I don't know. I just, I have a, a really strong intuition for what feels like it's going to make me better and what I feel like I need to be doing. But I think that my intuition is wrong about 60% of the time. <laughs> so, you know, it has benefits. But yeah, my training, is not very structured. I just kind of do what I feel like doing. Hmm. And sometimes I'll I'll sit down and try and like, write up like a plan of like what i'm gonna do and all the you know try to like pace myself and tell myself when to rest and when to climb and i haven't had very much success with that i think partially because i get a little too ambitious with how much stuff i put on my plate got it because it's hard for me to write a training plan and be like okay this day i'm gonna you know all campus board and i'm going to then i'm going to do circuits and then i'm going to do like this core workout and then maybe I'm like three days on or haven't slept enough because of school and I'm really tired but it's really hard for me to acknowledge that I need to change my plan to mm. make it easier
2: mm-hmm. like it's
1: easy for me to say oh I feel pretty good I think I'm gonna add something else mm-hmm. but it really it's a slippery slope for me to be like oh you know I'm tired today I'm just gonna skip the hangboarding or you know my fingers feeling off I'm gonna cut my bouldering session short yeah um, you need so, a coach to save
0: you from yourself. Yeah, I, I have whatever <laughs> that is too. Yeah, I'm the person. I'm like, I made this plan, I put a lot of thought into it. I think it's really smart, and I'm, I'm just going to pretend I'm a robot and follow it no matter right. what. I'm going to stick
1: to my plan. Yeah, right? it's even if like sure. y- your
0: body's just completely telling you to do something differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's shocking to me how hard it can be to know whether you're doing not enough or too much like that's yeah, such a simple it is very yes. such a simple question but
1: i i've experienced this a lot yeah Yeah. It's a lot of times I feel like, uh, I think I'm not doing enough. And then like in hindsight, it becomes clear that I was overtraining (laughs) and I was actually like chronically fatigued and that's why I wasn't performing.
0: Interesting. But
1: then there've also been a lot of times where I show up to a comp and I think that I've been doing everything right and I just don't have the power Hmm. or, you know, the endurance or whatever, like level of physical fitness that I knew I could have trained harder, but I didn't because I just miscalculated like how much I needed to be doing or like what I needed to be doing so hmm. it's it's definitely a hard balance I think a lot of people are self-coached and are kind of trying to figure it out and nobody has like a formula that works for everyone and not that many people even have a formula that works for themselves I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm among that group yeah. I don't even know what I'm doing yeah so
0: do you have any staples that you that you've stuck to that you feel like have worked really well for you in your training
1: um I mean, I really like campus boarding. I okay. think that it's I. But what I like about it is that it's very measurable. Mm. It it feels more effective to me to actually just campus boulders, just like Interesting. you know, pick a rock climb that's easy enough that you can campus it. Um. I do a lot of power training, just because you know it's fun and it, the gains are measurable. But I think that the most the most conclusive like evidence that i have of something working has actually been in terms of endurance okay um because i went from having no endurance to having a pretty good base of endurance fairly quickly and it was like the first time that i'd ever trained endurance and i had tried like various other things before and you know of course not for enough time but i had never really felt something click like this but i just started doing really really long really really easy laps just like up Hmm. down up down up down up just like as fast as i could without stopping i I actually i
0: as fast as you could
1: yeah i would like no chalking up no resting and my friend and i actually um i can if i can call him out is that allowed (laughs) 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 there's no rules (laughs) um my friend Salman barth who i climb with him a lot at school Um, and he is very measured about his training and kind of is the anti me in terms of, you know, I'm like, you know what? I feel like I don't have enough power today. I'm in a campus. He's like, you know, very methodical, has this whole training plan, really good at like metering things out, pacing himself, recovering from injuries, like knows when to rest and when to climb. And he was like, look, you have to do easy up, down, ups. Like that's the best way to get endurance. And Hmm. I didn't believe him, Hmm. but we did so many easy up, down, ups because he was like, just, it's just the way. And he was right. He was totally right. So, yeah, thanks Saul, for that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that it was counterintuitive because I had always thought that the more pumped you get, sure, the, the more endurance that you will have your next session, you know, like pain is weakness, leaving the body type mentality. Mm, mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: but, in fact, I was quite wrong. And you actually don't want to get pumped from, at least anecdotally, is that the longer I could climb without getting pumped like the more beneficial that was okay for training so like just picking like five nine five ten just like some really wow. easy jug hauls in the gym and going up down up and wow yeah we i would we would
0: i'm glad you said yeah, that yeah we I, would have
1: like a rule where we couldn't chalk up we couldn't shake out more yeah. than once on a given hold yeah we had to keep moving right and we would just yeah do up down up down up on like a 510 yeah for you know 30 minutes to an hour before our bouldering session or whatever so it was really efficient it didn't take a lot of time and it didn't make us tired
0: are you on the wall that whole time um no 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 no.
1: like we would switch off we'd probably do like three to four sometimes if we did it for an hour we i think we got like six up down ups in an hour and that was like our record we would try to do as many as we could
0: so up down up then you lower and then the um, other person goes?
1: Well, okay, it, it, it evolved. So, at first, we would just do up, down, up. And okay. then once you get to the point where at the end of your up, down, up, you're not pumped at all, then you go up, down, up, down, up.
2: And okay. And then once
1: you're not pumped at the end of that, you pick a harder route. So, by the end of this, we were doing up, down, ups in, like, 12C. Oh, wow. And we were continuing to, like, or at least I was. Saul was, you know, 13B, 13C, whatever. Yeah. But, um, nice. <laughs> but you would get to the point where you could do up-down-ups to where you would be really pumped at the top, but you still were not allowed to, like, shake out or chalk up, right? Okay. So, you just slowly increase the difficulty and also increase, like, the amount of pump that I would allow myself to tolerate. If, okay. If you know what that means. Like, okay. Yeah. But, like, starting out from a point of not getting pumped and not having to exert a lot of energy was, I think, really helpful for me. Hmm. Because... I don't know how the physiology works. Saul knows better than yeah, I do. He's yeah. done a lot of research on it. But I feel like it almost trained like my brain, almost like my subconscious mm. brain, to not get pumped. You know?
0: Interesting. Because I
1: feel like I never was able to climb hard moves while I was pumped ever. You know? Yeah. Like, I could climb V10, but as soon as I was even a little bit pumped, I was falling on V3.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, instantly. Yeah. And, you know, that was why I couldn't climb. 12c even though i could climb v10 and then like once i started or once i had done this endurance training for a couple of months because that that's how long it really took to like see results was like probably two months minimum okay i was suddenly able to do moves that i knew were hard while i was feeling pumped and i had never been able to do that before and i think that's like definitely what made the difference for me and i started having more goals and like enjoying the Kind of projecting aspect just for climbing more
0: okay after i was able to do that that's i think that's a really common thing coming from more of a bouldering background
2: mm-hmm. yeah. and
0: i i had a really similar experience myself where i think i'd climbed v9 before i'd read pointed 511 and yeah uh when i started arcing i was doing like 20 to 30 minute rounds on a tread wall climbing really easy mm-hmm. i had a really similar experience to you or, like, oh, my gosh, I know how to, like, relax through the easy parts right. now. And I know how to, like, I can actually get something back at a jug for the first time in my life and, like, do another hard crux. Yeah. That's so interesting. How long did you hold yourself? I imagine it was really difficult to not want to progress it. How long um, did you hold yourself back at that level where you weren't letting yourself get pumped at all?
1: I honestly, I don't really know, like, in terms of, like, days or, like, how many weeks we'd been doing it but I I think it's more of like intuitive like once it's like because you start out and you're like okay this is easy but it's not that easy Mm -hmm. you know like it's even if you're on a five nine climbing however many moves it's going to be like I don't know 100 moves without stopping is going to make you like a little bit you're going to feel something you Mm -hmm. know yeah and or you should be a little bit just like when you start and then once that like completely goes away where you're like I could just keep climbing forever and I don't think I would get pumped Mm. then you like move it up Mm -hmm. and I think it's also it's also dependent on like being able to like predict how much more pumped you're going to get if that makes any sense so like I, I didn't have this skill at all before I like started training endurance yeah but Like knowing that I can do five more moves before I'm bricked is like something that's much more intuitive to me now. Okay, Like it used to be like, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh my God, I can't do (laughs)
2: another move. Uh And
1: now it's like, okay, I can do three more moves before I need to rest. I can do 10 more moves before I need, and it's not that exact obviously, but like I can, you know, eyeball it. Look, okay. Can I get from here to this clip with this amount of rest? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go for it. No. Okay. I'm going to rest more on this jug or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think. It takes a little bit of trial and error to get to the point where you can be like, okay, I'm at the top of my up, down, up, and I feel like I could do another one. Okay. And have that judgment be accurate. Mm. But yeah, you, I don't know, we, we kind of just played it by ear.
0: Would you ever go so hard that you fell off?
1: Toward the end... Yeah, I was, okay. I was, at some point I had up-down-up projects okay. where I was eventually, yeah, eventually it got to the point where I was like, okay, I want to train for being able to do longer routes and so I would, you know, go, get on a 12C and try to up-down-up it and then I would let myself rest and chalk up. But, oh, you would, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of depends on the route, I guess. Like, you know, sometimes a route is 12C because it's 2V5 separated by a jug and sometimes it's 12C because it's like consistent V3 all the way to the top. hmm I don't really know if those grades are accurate, but that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it would kind of depend more on like the climbing than on the grade. But I think, yeah, I didn't, I didn't start doing the up, down, ups that were more similar to normal climbing where you can kind of, you know, switch up your tempo and be resting and stuff until I had built up a pretty solid base of endurance and it was getting close to like when I wanted to be peaking.
0: Okay. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So you had this really nice aerobic base and you kind of slowly shifted into more power endurance and like targeted fitness. Okay. How important do you think the speed element was? Like you said, climbing it as fast as you can.
1: I don't think that it was necessarily helpful to climb fast, like for fitness, because I mean, you actually get less tired when you spend less time on the wall. But for me, I have always been a very, very slow climber naturally, okay. especially when sport climbing. I hesitate a lot. I shake out on every single hold. Like, it was a huge problem for me trying to compete as a kid and just crawling up the wall, like, so slowly. I, I could not make myself, like, you know, turn it on and power through a hard section, which is really what I needed to do, like, as a boulderer with no endurance. Yeah. And that kind of trained me to be okay with just pulling through moves, even though I don't feel, like, perfect on the holds. Okay. Cause it was it was something that was very not intuitive for me so for me personally climbing fast was a big part of it okay but i'm not really sure how much of that was fitness and how much of that was just mental or
0: yeah you
2: know,
1: neuromotor whatever it is
0: you climb quickly now at least you have oh, been I do? at, at okay, Viento compared to me. I, feel I don't like know. I've
1: been going pretty slow. No, I
0: think compared to <laughs> compared to me for sure, and compared to a lot of sport climbers, you move up the wall pretty quickly. Yeah. Did that just carry directly over from what you're talking about, or? Oh I,
1: yeah, definitely did. Okay. I I climb so much faster now than I used to. Yeah. Um, and I think it was because of the fast up, down ups. Okay. Um, that's
0: awesome. Thanks but, for sharing that. That's yeah. Super helpful.
1: It's uh that's like if anyone ever asks me about training advice like that is I really shove that one at them. I'm yeah. like fast up down ups. It's yeah. Like, it's counterintuitive to me, so I feel like it's gonna be like it's hard to convince people of it. They're like dubious, like really? Five ten, like what is it gonna do for me to collapse totally. on five ten? And I'm like,
0: I a feel lot. that way it's gonna do a and lot you're way stronger than I am so I'm like sweet I'm gonna go climb some five eights and nines. <laughs> yeah and it's nice <laughs> because
1: it's like relaxing like cool I found it to be like training used to be or I guess still is like a very engaged thing you know it's like you go into the gym and you're like really focused and it's like a goal that you are pursuing or whatever but when I was in school and I would be like you know overwhelmed with how much stress or how much how little sleep I was having or whatever, it was nice to have an activity that could do that was, you know, it was training and it was active, but it was very almost mindless, you know, Mm -hmm. just like up, down, up, down, uh, you know, as fast as you can. You don't really have to try very hard. Mm -hmm. The goal is to not have to try very hard, right? Mm -hmm. So it was almost like meditative. So it it can be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Like at first I really hated it. It was just so, this is so tedious. But then once I really got into it, I was like, wow, like, you know, I can. It's almost analogous to like when people start running and they really hate it, which is me. I really hate running. And then people who are good at running are like, no, it's like kind of fun. You're like chilling while you're doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how the speedy up down ups became. Okay. So yeah, highly recommend.
0: Nice. Did you take like a block of time and just focus on endurance, or were you also doing bouldering and power stuff during that time?
2: Um.
0: And how did you mix it in?
1: I think the first year that I was because I forgot to sign up for bouldering nationals that first time and so I think that I completely stopped bouldering and only did endurance okay I would I would still do like power stuff occasionally because I didn't want to lose power so I would you know do a bunch of endurance and then do some hard boulders or campus or hangboard or whatever Um, because I also knew that I wasn't going to keep up you know bouldering fitness by climbing 510 for two hours yeah but the second year I think, so this was this last year when, like, like this year that just happened right now, um, when I actually did sign up for bouldering nationals, but then sport nationals got canceled because of coronavirus, but I was still, I was training for it, and I I wanted to train further out so that Mm. I would have more time to build up a base, because I felt like I hadn't, like, even though I had had a good start on it the previous year, I didn't have as much time as I wanted, and so I was training for bouldering and sport at the same time before bouldering nationals, and... It was a little bit hard to balance, you know, doing both because I haven't really tried to train both at once before. But I found that doing, you know, the easy up, down ups first and then like it was a good warm up for a bouldering session. Oh, OK. Because like you don't have to warm up for it. Like you hop on the wall and you're doing, you know, V2 moves. So, mm-hmm. it's you know, it is a warm up essentially. And it doesn't really it didn't really make me very tired. Like I would get a little bit like my endurance would Become fatigued, I guess. Like, I don't think that I would have sport climbed very hard in a session after having done a bunch of up, down, ups, but I could still go bolder because I hadn't really used any like power, uh, you know, any of that energy system. So it was, yeah. Interesting. It was actually kind of nice to have that like way of mixing it up.
0: Okay. Cool. So you do those things in the same session often?
1: Yeah, a lot of times I would. Sometimes I would have just pure endurance days when I, you know, my skin hurt or. I just wasn't feeling the power or something. And then sometimes Mm. I would, you know, be psyched on bouldering and like go into the gym and just have a bouldering day. Um, But yeah, I think combining them is not a bad idea.
0: Okay, cool. The no chalk thing brought something to mind that I want to ask you about. Uh (laughs) So when I was prepping for this, I saw that you were in the Seco Block Oh comps yeah, a couple different years, yeah, point. yeah, it's like two thousand and fifteen and seventeen, I think, from what I saw, yeah, and for listeners, in case they don't know, the Seco block comp is a deep water soloing comp that's been put on, I don't know, maybe started five years ago or something, yeah, and you didn't have a chalk bag, I did what yeah, are you really? yeah, at least I think
1: wait was this twenty fifteen
0: in twenty fifteen. I oh, watched. Oh, I was different... like
1: sixteen. I definitely just only <laughs> owned one chalk bag and didn't want it to get wet.
0: <laughs> I was wondering if that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, I don't know.
1: I don't. I honestly don't remember that at all. So I really I couldn't like, tell why? you my reasoning.
0: You were the only one. It's like why is she not using? <laughs> oh, wow, that's chalk embarrassing.
1: Bag? I yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know
0: I did that. I don't know. I was like maybe she's onto <laughs> something, or I thought maybe you know hearing you talk about the up down ups, so I was like, oh maybe it was intentional to keep you from over chalking up or hesitating or whatever no, no i think
1: that i just didn't want to get my chalk bag wet because I, I only had one and i was had to, i was gonna have to go again you know chalk yeah. is expensive
0: yeah and then in 2017 i think for your seating round you didn't use one and then you did use one in the first like actual round that's what i saw
1: maybe i, I okay have, I
0: know,
1: no recollection Secret <laughs> how is that? Was, the only thing i remember was how absolutely terrifying that uh,
0: i yeah was. i bet it's so <laughs> tall it's
1: so scary you probably fell
0: from 40 or 50 feet or something
1: um yeah but like i 40? mean I'm, i jumped off the top in like the qualifying how ground.
0: tall is it do you remember
1: it's 55 feet i believe um and i mean <laughs> i like jumping off of tall things into water yeah. but that was that one was too tall I, That's really The, the jumping off was kind of fun, but I could not try hard on the climbing. Because yeah. I was just, so, like, I needed to, like, spot my landing and, like, be prepared if I was going to fall. Yeah. You know? So it was really hard. Totally. Like, and also as, like, a slow climber, I was like, oh, my God, I have to climb fast. <laughs> and I have to, like, climb for more than 15 moves in a row. Yeah. And if I fall, I'm going to, like, <laughs> fall to the ground, but it's water. Like, oh, God. That was the, the scariest comp I've ever done.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting. So it's a weird format because it is kind of a race, but only if you both make it to the same high point. Yeah. Does it feel like a race?
1: Um, It does feel like a race, but it's not... At least at the time that I did it, it wasn't easy enough for me for that to be what I was focusing on. I Got was just it. like, I want to get to the top or as high as I can. Yeah. Uh, I was also really not in it to be competitive. I, it was just kind of a fun, gimmicky thing that I wanted to do. Okay. And... You know, it was there's so much adrenaline and so much fear involved with that event for me that I I wasn't really thinking that clearly about what I wanted my goals to be while I was up there.
0: Uh-huh. Will you was it fun? Will you ever do it again?
1: Uh, it was very fun and no I will never do it
0: again. <laughs> Perfect. I want to talk to you more about your competition climbing. Okay. Obviously, you are an accomplished outdoor rock climber as well. I peeked on your A day and saw some of your oh, bouldering accomplishments. I haven't
1: logged an A day in so. Many I
0: know years. you haven't you haven't logged anything in a while, but you still have a really impressive bouldering resume. Oh yeah. Yeah, you've some hard really stuff. Remember. You had a uh, you had never ending story on there. Oh, I didn't. B12 okay, that was.
1: There's like I have yet to take this down from my A day because apparently oh boy, it's just go. fake. But um, <laughs> there's there's some debate about the uh, the grades of never ending story it's like okay. two boulders that there's like a first part and there's a second part yeah one is supposed to be v11 one is supposed to be v12 okay i did the first part i don't actually know which one is which i was told the first part was the v12 but it's also a drop-off like you can literally stand on the ground and grab the finishing jug so mm. apparently many people don't even call it a separate boulder that's just like supposed to give you an idea of what the, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I I didn't look into it. I was, I was, someone (laughs) just said, Hey, you should log that on 8A. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I,
0: well, you've got a bunch of other double digit boulders backing it up. It wasn't just like,
1: it was was definitely a fun experience.
0: Cool. Nice. But you know, with that, you, you clearly love outdoor rock climbing and I've, I think I read, I think it was maybe on your. Facebook profile or something that you said like, I climb on fake rocks mostly, real rocks on good days. Yeah. It sounds like you kind of prefer real rock climbing.
1: Um, I mean, I definitely... It was kind of like a treat that I never got to do when I was littler because... Yeah, that's really interesting to me. Like, growing up in Texas, it's like 90 degrees, like, all the time. And also, there's just not that many good rocks. My family didn't really climb. I didn't really go on that many climbing trips, so I was really excited whenever I got to climb outside.
2: Okay.
1: I definitely think that I still prefer competition climbing to outdoor rock climbing like it's it's different not not that I like enjoy it more but that that if I had to pick one would be the one I would want to pursue yeah just because it's something that I've had like goals in for a really long time and I'm I'm invested you know Mm -hmm. like I love competing Mm -hmm. and I also love climbing outside but it's it's a very different animal to me and I mean obviously climbing outside is more fun than training in the gym which I was was probably what I was thinking when I wrote whatever that was got it but yeah I don't know I think that I am really glad that I have the opportunity to do both but yeah I at heart I will always be a USAC comp kid okay
0: Do you see, what about your long-term progression? Do you think you will always be more focused on comps or do you see yourself transitioning more towards outdoor climbing down the road or how are you thinking about that?
1: I definitely think I'll probably transition more into outdoor climbing when I can't keep up with the comps anymore (laughs) or, uh, you know, when I develop some goals that have some sort of meaning or, you know, like potential like, to be either helpful in, like, my career as a climber or just, like, for personal reasons. I don't know. I At the moment, like, I climb outside mostly still just because it's fun. Okay. Like, I do want to send hard grades, but I'm really just out there to have a good time. And I think that that could change, like I might find a line that I'm really inspired by and be like, oh, I want to devote years of my life to climbing this thing. Yeah. Um, but so far, you know, I haven't run across anything like that. And in comps, there are there have been things where I've been like really invested in training for something. Yeah. Um, so that for me is like really motivating. And okay. that's kind of what draws me to that whole side of it.
0: Cool. I had never thought about competition climbing as a job or as like a career path. And it was really interesting at the cliff to hear you talk about your last year of competing and, and kind of like, it sounds like kind of funding your school year with that.
1: Yeah. So for a disclaimer, I I don't pay my Stanford tuition with comp funds. My parents pay for my college. I'm I'm fully ready to admit that, but I had never really thought that I was going to make any money from comps, especially because like, growing up competing you pay a lot of money to go to comps and then even if you win the comps you don't get any money (laughs) so i didn't really ever expect to win more than like a couple hundred bucks at like some local you know gym anniversary comp or whatever um but then i guess the the cash prizes started getting bigger because people started getting more psyched on just competition bouldering and i was able to fund like so i took a gap year before i went to school And I basically just traveled around the whole world, like, you know, climbing outside, doing World Cups, like, just basically climbed as much as I possibly could. And I funded the entire thing on comps.
0: That's awesome. Um,
1: I also did some coaching, but the majority of the money that I used to travel for and just basically live for the entire year was just from doing comps, which was a really – it was – awesome because you know i got to do what i was doing basically for free cuz like you know my goals were to travel and compete and traveling and competing was paying for traveling and competing so it was really awesome but it wasn't sustainable because i had to do so many comps mm. to be able to make enough money to you know go to europe where i wasn't going to make any money mm. and so i i think that i wouldn't be able to do that for longer than like a year it okay. was it was even for that one year it was not very sustainable i
0: I imagine the comps that you had to do to make money took away from right. some of right it really for the took away ones. a lot of
1: I think that if I had just focused on training my performance would have been like orders of magnitude better because I, I felt really strong at the beginning of the season when I you know had been training and then I started like Competing and I was peaking for like the first third to a half of the year and I then I started to like kind of go downhill mm. like a few months before I had to go back to school my performance really started taking a nosedive because I hadn't had, like, an extended period of training in, like, a year. Yeah. I had just been competing and, like, training in, like, the odd two or three days in between comps. Mm -hmm. And, like, occasionally I would have, like, a month where I didn't do any comps or where I only did, like, one comp or a couple comps that I knew I could easily do well at or didn't care about. So I wouldn't, you know, rest for them or try to peak for them, and I would just train through it. But even that was, like, pretty taxing. I definitely learned the value of, A, rest, and be <laughs> not competing for, like, having an off-season,
0: basically, okay. during that year. Got gotcha. you. I mean, it's impressive, though. It sounds like you made, like, $20,000 last year?
1: Yeah. This was, like, like during school. I did a bunch. Actually, I really lucked out because I did the Boulderfield Master Series, okay. which was, you know, driving distance from Stanford, really low commitment, like, I just registered for it and went to all three comps and they had a lot of cash available. And because it was, you know, the Olympic qualifying season, everyone who's anyone was overseas competing in all of the, you know, world cups and world championships and like training for bigger things. Like everyone had bigger fish to fry. So it was kind of (laughs) all the wannabe like second tier climbers were really (laughs) raking in the cash from the, from the um, gym comps, which, you know, that was really nice for me because like you know being in school and not being able to travel or do any of the comps that were like what i ultimately wanted to be doing i could still go to the boulder field and like they would put on an awesome comp and then i would make a lot of money Mm -hmm. and go home and be like well sick now i can go on a two-week trip to smith in this summer (laughs) or something (laughs) yeah
0: nice is that how you see yourself how you described that what did you say second tier
1: I definitely think there's a divide between, like, the people who really are dedicating their their lives to training for comp climbing and the people who want to dedicate their lives to training for comp climbing but mm. have accepted that they realistically can't at the moment, and okay. I am in that group. Okay. Like, you know, I'm in school. I know I can't train super hard and be in school at the same time. Like, I, I just, people can do it, right? Like, yeah. I, people have done it successfully, but for me personally, it is definitely hard for me to do my best in both you know so some there has to be a little bit of compromise and even if everything can go perfectly well in training just the traveling and being able to train with like the rest of the U.S. team and like have like a group like that is really beneficial and that's not something that is super accessible to me right now you know because of decisions that I've made so it's I, I'm i not, you know, I'm not feeling like I, I'm at a disadvantage here at all, but I definitely think that at least for this, these couple of years, I have had to take a little bit of a step back mm-hmm. from, you know, being a competitive climber.
0: Mm-hmm. What are you studying in school? Computer science. Okay. That's becoming a pretty solid theme yeah a lot, a, lot a lot of climbers are into, are into, CS. Are into it
1: uh, i actually wasn't gonna do cs I, I was determined that i would avoid being a sheeple and switching to cs like every other stanford <laughs> undergrad but uh turns out it is really fun okay i have a really good cs program um i originally wanted to do bioengineering but after you know thinking about like what a career in that would entail and specifically how much how many more years of school after undergrad I would need to do. Man, I have
0: no idea <laughs> what a career in that entails.
1: Yeah. I decided that it might not be something that I wanted to commit to and started exploring other options. I really liked CS. Um, okay. so I switched to I'm I'm in the biocomputation track right now which kind of blends, you know, some bioengineering stuff with CS but it's still within the cs major so
0: okay
1: i don't know i feel pretty good about it at the moment but you know people change their major a lot so we'll see
0: cool how much of your decision to do that was it involves you thinking about the kind of lifestyle balance with climbing that you wanted down the road
1: um it was definitely a factor but i don't think it was the biggest factor like okay. the biggest factor was definitely that i took a couple cs classes and i had never experienced wanting to do my homework before and I don't know it was just really fun I really like coding I really it's like the problem solving aspects of math and then like the creative aspects of like writing Hmm. kind of all blended into one I don't know I'm I'm not very far along in the major so I haven't gotten to the really heinous stuff yet but so far it's something that's really challenging but also just genuinely enjoyable and Hmm. very rewarding and I hadn't had that experience with any other subject in school like I thought things were cool and I was curious I went to learn but CS was kind of different like immediately like right off the bat I was like wow like this is so fun and I I took a couple classes that the professors were just really awesome and really inspiring and I think that that was definitely like the vast majority of the reason why I switched but it doesn't hurt that the odds of me finding a job that's like either part time or fully remote are extremely high uh huh um so yeah, I do. I do know a lot of people, a lot of climbers who are in CS, and it it works really well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I have no post grad plans at all. I really don't know what I'm gonna do. So okay, um, but yeah, it's it's really nice to know that my options will be very open with a degree in CS.
0: Nice. Are you willing to talk about the Olympics?
1: I mean, sure.
0: So how does I'm curious hearing you talk about all this. uh, We were at the cliff the other day, and you were talking about how you're excited to go for it for the next round of the Olympics. Yeah, how does that fit in?
1: I mean, I know that I'm not like in the top tier of athletes in this country right now, and like if the the selection for the Olympics were like tomorrow or next year, I there's a zero percent chance that I would be. Able to qualify,
0: but I kind of asked you if you were just being humble or if you were. It, it sounds like you're just yeah, being no, re- that's, really pragmatic, that's realistic. That's okay. very realistic.
1: But I think it's always been a really big dream of mine to like not specifically go to the Olympics. I actually never thought climbing would be in the Olympics, but just to like compete on like a world stage and be successful. You mm. know, like I always wanted to stand on the podium at a World Cup or you know, World Championships or whatever. And I know that it's not very realistic for me and the odds are very very slim it requires you know a lot of a lot of luck a lot of dedication and like a lot of investment that I'm not sure I will be able to put in mm. but I think that there is a chance that I could pull it off in like the next four years because I mean we, there is a significant amount of time and like I'll theoretically graduate in 2022 and then my tentative plan is to just take two years off and just dedicate myself to training for the Olympics and trying to see if I can qualify. And I know that it's kind of absurd for me to have that plan because I'm not in a position to qualify for the Olympics right now. But I think that I would never forgive myself if I didn't try,
2: you know, like it's just
1: something that I would always wonder if I could have done. Yeah. And I might as well just go for it, you know, while I'm young and able to do so. Obviously, like, any of that could change due to any number of factors, including but not limited to global pandemics. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, the the not limited to is who knows what's coming next. My gosh, nothing yeah, we really nothing would surprise me. At anything this point. could happen
1: as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm committed to trying. I know I have. I'm not laboring under any illusions that mm. I will actually succeed. I, I would be very very surprised if I actually was able to go to the Olympics ever but i do think that if i don't give it like a good college try then you know it would be kind of lame okay. So i just wanted to see how close i can get basically. okay and i think even if i don't get anywhere close to qualifying the stepping stone goal is to qualify for the 2023 world cup season and then you know go to europe and travel around and do all the world cups which in itself would be, like, reliving, so far, the best year of my life. Because okay. that's what I did on my gap year, and it was awesome. And I would be super stoked to do that again, even if I never made a semifinal. So Got you. You know, it's, there's, a, there's a reach goal and then a consolation prize, which nice. is still kind of an ambitious goal, but, you know, we'll see.
0: Do you have a most memorable comp or one that oh, you're for most sure, yeah. proud of?
1: Um, so Innsbruck Youth Worlds in, like, 2018... 19. Okay. Don't fact check me on that. I, it was <laughs> How my, old were
0: you at the time? You were like I 19 was, or something?
1: I guess I was 19, yeah. No, 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 no. I was 18. I think.
0: Because I
2: no, then to... it would have been
1: too early. I think I was 19. Okay. Um, this was my... You're 21 my, now? Yeah, I'm 21 now. This was my last... second to last year in youth. So I was a first year junior. So I guess I was 18. Okay. Yeah. And... This was my second Youth Worlds. This was during my gap year, so I, you know, I made my first World Cup semifinal. I like went to Adidas Rock made semifinals. Like I was like super psyched at competing. I was having a great time. Um, this was probably wait, maybe this was the year before. I really don't remember the chronology events, but the point was,
0: <laughs> I was really did,
1: psyched on competing. You
0: did too many comps, but
1: I was. You know, it was very crazy. Everything was happening and it was all new. And I was, I had no idea where I stacked up against the rest of the field. Mm. And the people in my category were like, I was, I was in the same age year as Yanya. So she was in my category all like my first youth world. She obviously won and I stood on the podium with her and I was like so starstruck. But the next year in Innsbruck she just didn't compete because she was like had been winning all the world cups and was like all right i'm just not gonna do the youth like you know whatever she was she was over it mm-hmm. and so everyone else was like oh who's gonna win like all of a sudden there's no clear favorite and spoiler alert i did not win <laughs> um <laughs> but i did get second Nice. and i was not expecting to make semifinals even and then i got i squeaked into finals in i think the last spot or maybe the second to last spot and I was there with Claire Burfind, who at the time, she was the only other U.S. girl in finals. And she ended up winning. So it was really, it was both of us were not expecting to do that well. And then she really pulled it out and won. And there was just like one boulder at the end where it was like this kind of paddle dino that I... I think I fell off. I slid off it, like, seven times. I was, like, bleeding from all my fingertips (laughs) and my wrists, like, from sliding off the volumes. And, like, I really just saw red and tried really hard and got the boulder done. And I've never had, that kind of flow state happen in a comp, like, ever. Like, it was so epic.
0: That is so cool. Um,
1: And I'm not really that vocal of a climber like i don't really scream on the wall like i never power scream or like anything but i
0: i want to come back to that i
1: really lost control and at the top of this boulder and i when i topped it i just screamed so loud and it was like the most intense moment i've ever had in a comp it was it was very it was crazy like there was was so much adrenaline going on and it was so fun because I, I went into finals with no expectations. Hmm. I was just like, wow, I'm just going to try my best. You know, I didn't even expect to make it this far. And I think that, like, mentality really kind of put me in the zone because I, I tend to choke when I expect to do well. Hmm. You know, like, it's it's hard to perform when you're the favorite. When hmm. you're the underdog, you know, you, you can only go up. Mm-hmm. So that's – I like being in that position. Um, okay. And that comp was kind of one of the times when the stars really aligned for me and I was okay. able to – just kind of let go and just try as hard as I could I don't know it was that was definitely the highlight I think
0: cool very cool is there anything you tell yourself when you feel expectations creeping in like that anything that helps
1: um usually it's just like oh no (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, we have some work to do on that Maya (laughs) I
1: so I kind of, you know, the whole quality over quantity over quality thing that I default to in my training, I kind of also did with comps. Instead of, like, dedicating a lot of effort to having a good mental game, I just did so many comps that it became routine. Okay. And I no longer got nervous because I was competing every single weekend for sure. an entire year. Yeah. You know, I, I counted up the number of comps I did a couple years ago, and it was in the hundreds. I've done literally hundreds of comps and you know I don't really recommend this strategy because it's very time consuming and it can be very expensive if you know the stars don't align but I think it was really beneficial for me to have all that experience under my belt mm. going into comps even now like I'm a bit rusty in terms of mental game like it's not routine for me anymore but it's very familiar mm. um, and it, it really helped. I used to get so, so, so nervous. And hmm. it really helped kind of take the pressure off because I was used to having another comp next weekend. And so this one doesn't really matter that much, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked that kind of side effect of doing so many comps was that it it just improved my my mental, like my calmness just by brute force. Okay. Just like with every comp you do, it gets a little bit less nerve wracking. But, of course, that falls apart when you're on, like, a much bigger stage than you're used to. Mm. So doing a bunch of, you know, cash comps in the U.S. did not really help me that much when I was, like, in ISO at a World Cup being like, oh, my God, there's famous people everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was definitely beneficial and it kind of, you know, to make a habit, you have to have, like, a trigger, like, thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, having, like, the same routine i guess of like you know you know the drill you go into iso you have the rules meeting you start warming up you do all the same stuff you know it's, it's kind of like the same pattern mm-hmm. um kind of helped trigger like getting into the right gear to compete okay i mean obviously i, I did not close to perfect that sequence of events but um it definitely helped tremendously
0: is there anything that you do in the gym on a normal training day? Like if you if you're feeling rusty and you're interested in getting back into comps or you're prepping for a comp and you haven't done many, what's, uh, what's the strategy there? Is there anything you can do in the gym to kind of help work on that? Or do you do, do you find other comps to do leading up to that?
1: I actually, I'm a big fan of the practice comp strategy. Yeah. What's that where, like? Where I mean, you find a comp that doesn't matter that much and go to it like the weekend before the big comp. Okay. Um, because I did this the weekend before sport nationals or what was not the weekend before, but like a few weeks before what was supposed to be sport nationals this year. Maybe maybe it was like, a don't know how long before it was, but I, I did a sport comp and I was not ready to do it. And I was, I didn't perform. I choked, like I made a lot of mistakes that I was mad at myself for making. And I was so glad that I went to that comp that didn't matter so that I could make those mistakes and remember what it felt like to be in the moment and have all that, like, you know, all the nerves and, like, the pressure and, you know, even on a much smaller scale, like, to to calibrate my expectations for what it was going to feel like Mm. for the comp that I really cared about, which never happened, but which was coming up, Mm -hmm. you know? And, I mean, obviously, you can't always do that because there's not always a readily accessible practice comp you can go to. But I think that the mock comp strategy where you, like, pick some boulders and like run yourself a little on-site round in the gym mm-hmm. is also quite helpful. And it, okay. it helps if you can have, if you can simulate the comp environment, like almost to a T, like have people like have coaches or other people, like a lot of times with youth teams, they'll do this where they have runners taking the people back and forth from ISO and they'll have mm. somebody with the timer being like climbers, you may begin climbing now, you know, Yeah. Um, just making it feel like it's real. Because it's one thing to be like, okay, I'm going to give myself four minutes to do this boulder, go. But it's another thing to be like, okay, I'm going to sit back there where I can't see the boulder for four minutes, and then I'm going to walk out without looking at the wall, and then I'm going to actually have someone tell me, start climbing, and I'm going to go through my whole comp routine, do my breathing exercises, or whatever it is I do in the chair, convince myself that this is real, and then see how I can perform under that pressure in the gym. And, I mean, it's obviously not an exact imitation, but... That's something that helps me, I think, get into the headspace.
0: Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. What, uh, what are the breathing exercises that you do? Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't let I that mean, go. I mean, I
1: just, like, at some point somebody told me that uh, the best way to lower your heart rate is to breathe in for half the amount of time that you breathe out. Okay. So I just do that. Like, I, I'll be in the chair, and I, if I feel myself being nervous, mm. I'll look at the clock because I have the, those huge clocks on the wall, mm-hmm. and depending on how out of breath I am, it varies. Sometimes I breathe in for three seconds and out for six. Sometimes I breathe in for four seconds and out for eight. If I can't see the clock, I, like, do it to the beat of music or whatever. I just count. Okay. Um, but it's really effective. I have been doing it for a long time, and, I mean, everyone has their own little thing, I guess, mm-hmm. but... And I've had several, like, you know, taping my fingers, chalking up, like, waving my arms, whatever. Throughout, like, the course of when I've been competing, I've used, like, a bunch of different, like, physical tics to try to trigger, like, you know, me being in the right frame of mind to compete. Mm -hmm. But the breathing is one that I've always done. And it is, you know, it's not a cure-all, but it, it really helps with nerves and especially when i'm at altitude oh my god like competing Hmm. at altitude is so hard Wow, i've never thought about that you like okay disclaimer i have terrible terrible cardio like so 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 bad (laughs) i get really winded on the hike up to viento like walking up that trail oh my god it's terrible um but but if you have terrible cardio like me um (laughs) it it's really helpful to be able to lower your heart rate when you're at high altitude because you know i don't know about you but my whole cardio system is going berserk and i'm like oh my god i cannot breathe i need more oxygen so it's it's a good tool to have especially because you know i'm from texas so i'm very sea level mm. you know i'm very acclimated to not being at altitude mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's always it always hits me harder than i expect it's going to mm.
0: <laughs> hmm. okay in for half the time that you breathe out yeah okay
1: yeah usually it's my default is in for four out for eight okay If you find yourself, like a lot of times, I'll like try to force myself to do it and it's really hard because you're out of breath. So you feel like you're like gasping for air. Mm -hmm. And I'll just like give up and like let myself pant for like a couple seconds to like get some oxygen in there and then, you know, start over. Okay. It's not like, you know, I don't have to like be meditating or anything. Uh It just helps to be like mindful of it.
0: Cool. Okay. So I stumbled into an article that was written about you in Austin Women. It looked like it was just like a local journal or something. Oh, online.
1: yeah. Was this the one where they interviewed me at Crux and they like, I, I don't know. I don't know which one you're talking about, but there's <laughs> one out there where they just misquoted me so many times and oh, like misspelled man. my last name, I think.
0: Hopefully it's not this one. I'll edit this out.
1: They were like asking me about like my diet and stuff. Yeah, and was it's like, called Bouldering Star know.
0: Maya. And then they did spell your last yeah, name wrong. Yeah, they spelled wrong. my last Shares name wrong. Shares her workout routine. Okay, should I scrap all this?
1: I mean, I mean, you can, we can make fun of them if you want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, it's interesting. So they got one thing right. You did say in there that you never do cardio. Yeah, you, I you know, do they never were do like, cardio. They were sharing your your gym session and we already talked about it quite a bit. So I won't go into that too much, but, but yeah, you never do. I never do cardio. cardio. It's you don't, bad. <laughs> really? I, I, well, I was going to ask. I mean, like, oh, it's, obviously I that's, be doing cardio. do you think it would I, help?
1: <laughs> um, Okay, so...
0: I feel like the jury's out, and I'm, I'm genuinely asking.
1: Many, many people have told me that I will be better at climbing if I do cardio, including Saul, so I should probably believe him, because last <laughs> time he was really right. Uh, did up-down-ups help? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. But it's, like, a different type of cardio. Okay. Like, I cannot run. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. It's so painful. When you're not I, training for running. My cardio is so, so, so bad, and I can't convince myself to fully believe that if my cardio were better, I would be better at rock climbing. Like mm. I just, when I think about the reason why I fall, it is never because I'm out of breath, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's always because I'm too pumped, which I guess having better cardio would help that, but having better forearm endurance would help more. So why wouldn't I just spend that time doing up-down-ups instead, you know? Right. Um, and like when I fall from like bouldering, like a, unless I'm like at altitude and I'm like really rapid firing some dinos. It's usually just not being winded that gets me. Like if I was a speed climber, I would definitely be doing cardio. Okay. I am just not a speed climber, and
0: is that not gonna be? Are they not doing a combined format for the next Olympics? Oh
1: thank God, no they're not. Okay. That's part of the reason why I never even tried to go for this. Totally. uh, 2021, I guess now Olympics. Yeah. Because speed climbing no offense to any speed climbers out there is from my perspective really stupid and I just never want to do it you didn't want to
0: climb on the the red turtle blobs
1: I mean it's fun and it is very difficult like I respect the hell out of people that are good at it.
0: absolutely
1: but it's not something that I find fun to train or very fulfilling to do and I could like I, I respect it as a sport that I like to watch okay and as part of the climbing you know sphere but I would never try to be good at it okay I just have, have no desire to do that and I also don't think that I ever would be good at it because it's just not something that I'm very good at mm. um and I was really happy when they came out with like the decision to separate it from sport and bouldering. So the sport and bouldering combined is going to be like like half the medals are going to speed climbing and half the medals are going to sport and bouldering combined like okay. into one thing. And I guess it's confusing because they call it sport climbing, but it's lead and bouldering combined because in America we say sport everywhere else. They say lead. Who knew? I didn't. Um, yeah uh i mean i feel like they say sports some other places too but like in the ifsc it's like there's lead and then there's bouldering and then there's sport climbing which is the combination of lead and bouldering
0: interesting
1: um yeah jargon i learned
0: something new today cool i want to come back to that article and maybe maybe the the rest of this conversation about the article will be just you fact checking it and correcting everything that was possible But I was curious about the food. Uh you were quoted in there saying and I'm paraphrasing but you basically eat whatever you want cuz you're active enough that it doesn't really matter too much. Is that? But it seems like you also eat a pretty healthy diet.
1: Yeah. So I mean I I try to eat relatively healthfully just because when I eat junk all the time, I physically don't feel that great. Okay. Um but I mean I do still eat a lot of, you know, I have a huge sweet tooth. I okay. will eat anything with sugar in it. Like, <laughs> oh my God, it's it's honestly kind of problematic um, because I, I also stress eat when I'm, you know, studying uh, or whatever, yeah, yeah. Um, especially like, you know, finals week, oh, it's out the window. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went through a phase when I was trying to like control like my weight. I would be like, okay, it's gonna be, I'm gonna bulk until this day and then I'm gonna cut and I'm gonna be lighter for sport nationals. Um, mm-hmm. And this was also something that Saul was doing. Yeah. So I was like, you know, he's right about one thing, maybe he's right about this. <laughs> You know, it works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. I no matter how hard I try, I cannot control whether I weight lose or gain weight. I just can't do it. Like it's it's. Huh. Maybe I'm not trying hard enough, but You're I. Like you tried
0: to gain weight on purpose and it didn't work.
1: Um, I I wasn't like actively trying to gain weight. Well, I mean, I guess I kind of was. I also don't really weigh myself, so that could have been part of the problem. Like I was just kind of like, do I feel lighter? Not really. Um, <laughs> I, I tried to lose weight at one point because I, when I went to college, I definitely put on some some freshman fifteen or so. Oh my
0: gosh, me too. Um,
1: but I actually think, you know, ironically, it was because I started lifting. I had never lifted before mm. when I went, and I'd also never really biked very much. I went to college. I started biking a lot, like, to get around. Okay. And I started lifting a lot, like, benching and stuff. And, you know, because other people on the Stanford team were into it. And I was like, okay, this could be good cross training. You know, I need, I could use some more
0: power. The Stanford climbing team? Yeah. Okay.
1: And uh, I think I put on a little too much muscle mass. And that's <laughs> okay. where the freshman 15 came from. But, um, yeah, I tried to lose it at one point, And I just, I couldn't do it. I, yeah. I'm, I have really low self-control when it comes to food. I can't restrict what I eat or when I eat. If I'm hungry, I'm just going to eat. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I was, I was not successful, but it turned out that it was fine because I actually wasn't climbing any worse. Okay. Um, there have definitely been times when I felt unfit and I, I guess it was correlated with weight maybe, but I don't really know because I don't usually weigh myself. Yeah. Um... There was one point when I was worried about injuring my fingers because I had gained too much weight too fast. Okay. And I did start having some finger tweaks, but then it turned out that what I needed to do was hangboard. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, my, I have had some tendon issues.
0: Did you not hangboard before that?
1: I No, I really didn't. Okay. I, I didn't really hangboard consistently until I went to school because mm. um, I just climbed all the time. Yeah. And I was also warned against hangboarding as a kid because they were like, Oh, you'll hurt your growth plates if you don't Mm. wait until you're like older. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I got to be about 16 and I'd never hangboarded before. So I didn't really see why I should start now. And then it, you know, I was in college and then I couldn't crimp. And I was like, I wonder why. (laughs) And then I started hangboarding. Interesting. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't, people have asked me a lot about like what to eat and how to eat. And I, I'm not the person to ask, but also, I just don't think it matters that much for a lot of people. Like That's awesome to hear. As long as I'm climbing well, like I kind of if there's like a problem, like if you know, if my fingers are getting injured, then maybe I'll look into like, okay, maybe I should cut back a little bit on the chocolate cake.
2: But just a little bit.
1: But I, I don't really have the self-control. So maybe maybe it's just me, you know, trying to appease my my psyche, but I, I really don't have the self-control to to control my uh, eating habits so I just I mean, try to eat healthily
0: for listeners that haven't seen you and I'll link to your Instagram and stuff for people that want to see some of your posts and stuff but for people that haven't seen you you have a very strong athletic build but yeah. I mean I'm not a coach or anything like that but I'd be concerned if you were trying to lose weight you look like you're at a very healthy very strong athletic yeah I
1: don't weight. think I would want I think that to be like peaking, I could ideally be like maybe five pounds lighter. Because okay. I think like during my gap year when I felt really strong, and like maybe during last summer. I was also maybe five pounds lighter and I felt much stronger, Mm -hmm. but I was also training like way more. So I think it was more correlation. Okay. I do know that when I take off a small amount of weight, like five or 10 pounds, I can do things that I have always tried to be able to do and have never been like one arm pull-ups and one arm hangs, like all sorts of stuff. It doesn't take a lot of weight taken off to do that. So I have wondered, you know, if I was, you know, 15 pounds lighter, could I just do one arms, like, one after the other, you know? Right. But I think that I, yeah, if I if I lost that much weight, I don't think that I would have enough energy or, like, yeah. enough enough muscle power. I don't know.
0: I, mean, I that I'm... also means that you're, like, you're not that far off, and if you just got a little bit stronger, right, like, yeah. you, you'd be there. That's what I feel like. If, yeah. if
1: I can, like, gain a little bit of power instead of losing the weight, like, that seems like it would be easier to do. I don't know.
0: That's cool. So, I'm talking to Natasha Barnes tomorrow, mm-hmm. and she... She's a coach, you know, she does rehab and strength training with climbers, mm. and she is constantly trying to convince climbers to gain weight, actually. Oh, And she's a huge advocate for, like, putting on a f- functional strength, you huh. know, f- or putting on functional mass, I guess, to support more yeah. strength. Do you feel like the lifting, like the bench pressing and that sort of stuff helped?
1: Um, hmm. It was long enough ago that I started doing it that I've kind of forgotten whether there was any measurable impact. I think so.
0: Okay. I think so. A solid, maybe.
1: <laughs> I yeah, it's, it's a solid maybe. I I didn't do it long enough and consistently enough, and I also didn't you know track my progress. Okay. Like I tend to when I start doing something training related, I do like six other things at the same time, so it's hard to say you know was it doing core every day that made me better or was it benching every other week or. You know, was it all this hangboarding that made me crimp harder or was it losing five pounds? Um, and it's hard
0: to know when you don't weigh yourself.
1: Yeah, it is hard to know <laughs> when you don't weigh yourself. I really kind of just eyeball it. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I feel a little bit lighter today. I think it's going to be a good day.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> That's just, awesome. Maybe
1: it's just gravity fluctuating. Um,
0: Sounds incredibly healthy.
1: I mean, yeah, it's got, it's got upsides and downsides. I definitely think that if I tracked, you know, my... Biometrics and like my training more exactly, I would be a bit more confident in my training patterns.
0: Do you want to be a little bit more systematic in the future?
1: Um, like I think I want to, but like actually, I don't want to. Like, like I, I don't have the motivation helpful, to do that,
0: but it's just not
1: you. <laughs> like, yeah, like it would okay. be helpful, but I just don't have the mental energy to put into it, you know? Like, I don't
0: think it's for everybody. I think some of the best athletes in the world are just really intuitive, really in tune with their body and what they need. That's something that I'm working on more than anything right now. Because I mean we already talked about this, but I'm that person that will like stick to my plan no matter what. And I think more often than not, that's to my detriment.
1: Yeah. I I definitely experience that too. I think there's something to be said for like training consistently and like having it like be backed up by science and stuff. But I also I actually think that I would have much more success doing that if I had a coach, you know, Mm. telling me what to do. Because Mm -hmm. it's really hard to come up with that for yourself and then be continually tweaking it and, like, doing the research and, like, you know. Right. I would would rather rely on my intuition than spend all the mental energy to come up with, like, a scientific training plan. Mm. And at this point in my life, like, I'll definitely invest – like, once I graduate, when I'm, you know, presumably or hopefully going to be just training for, like, a whole year, Yeah. I will definitely periodize my training and, like, be, you know, on a
0: like consistent invest in training a
1: coach. plan. And I, I might actually invest in a coach if I can make some money. Yeah. And, like, be able to, you know, control things much more exactly because, you know, there's so many more factors when you have, like, other things going on, like school. I I underestimated how much harder training was going to be in school. Hmm. It's not that there's not enough time, because there is enough time. There's always enough time. It's, it's just the mental energy, you know? Hmm. Like, it was being able to, like, discipline myself to do my schoolwork and be on top of my work. And then also, like, you know, have enough time to relax and not be stressed and sleep and eat and you know, have friends and, you know, start making friends because it was my first year of college, right? And then going into the gym was like, you know, my de-stressing time. And I was not about to spend it, like, analyzing my performance <laughs> and, like, sticking specifically, you know, run for seven minutes and then do V5, like, V1 to V5 for, like, 10.5 minutes and then, you know, do this specific, like, 4 x fours, whatever. You know, training can get very regimented. And that can be great. That can be really fun. But it's not relaxing and it's not, like, it's, it's just not what climbing has always been to me, which is, like, an escape. Like, somewhere I can go to, like, you know, de-stress, be in my element, have fun, and at the same time be, like, working towards this goal that I want to achieve just for myself, you know, not for any, like, external pressures. And so I think that just the psychological aspect of having to discipline myself and, like, be so structured in the rest of my life made it difficult for me to do that in my training. Hmm. But, yeah, I, th- I think that if training was, like, the main thing that I was focusing on rather than school, and I, I did do this for a period of time last summer because my mom tore her ACL, so I had to go home and, you know, take care of her post-surgery hmm. in the whole, you know, rehab phase. And okay. I just lived at home just with my mom because everyone else was here. Um Just training for the entire summer and I did write a very detailed training plan and I stuck to it and I revised as I went along and I spent a lot of time and energy coming up with what to do and when to do it and it was great. Hmm. And I think that I could do that sustainably, but not during school.
0: Not during school. Yeah. Gotcha. I've heard you say that you're a big breakfast person.
1: Oh, I love breakfast. I really love breakfast.
0: <laughs> In that article, it was scrambled eggs. What's your current go Oh, go-to man, I've really breakfast? moved away from scrambled eggs. I, <laughs> okay.
2: I
1: used to hate fried eggs. I don't know why. I really didn't like them as a kid, but now I love them. They're, like, my favorite thing ever. Okay. Um, I love eggs. I love, like, pancakes and waffles. I really like avocado toast, which, mm. like, you know, call me trendy, whatever, hipster. Hey,
0: there's a reason but it's trending. It's good. It's amazing. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and I just...
1: I really have an appreciation for breakfast specifically because it's like, it's like a snack, but it's a whole meal. Like, like when else do you have an excuse to just eat snack food for a meal? Like you can have like a cereal bar for breakfast or you can have a bowl of cereal for breakfast or you can have like overnight oats or like a lot of fruit and like berries. Like it's just so like light and refreshing and I don't, don't get me started. I love breakfast.
0: I got you started. Yeah, That's why we're here. What do you have before climbing?
1: Uh oh god literally whatever. whatever I my stomach is extremely it's a tank I can eat anything yeah. I I have no like uh, allergies or sensitivities to any food and a lot of people are like oh I can't eat that before climbing like I'll feel sick and I'm like no I can like, <laughs> I, I can eat like a full meal of like pizza or whatever <laughs> and immediately go climb like um I I do like healthy food if I don't eat vegetables for a long time Like two days, then I really start to crave them. My friends are always making fun of me on climbing trips because they're like, okay, what should we have for dinner? Let's make pasta. Let's make mac and cheese. And I'm like, can we have a vegetable? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I like to mix it up. I go through some phases sometimes. Like sometimes I'm like really on a kick of like, you know, something really healthy, like green smoothies. My mom makes some really good green smoothies, actually. Mm. I have have some good recipes. And then sometimes it's like I'm going to eat like four brownies for dinner. You know? Okay. like sometimes that just happens. Yeah. Um,
2: Let it sometimes
1: happen. I really feel like I need to eat like a big breakfast to have like energy for the day, you know, like, especially on climbing trips, like this varies like wildly. Like sometimes I'll hmm. wake up and be really hungry and I'm like, okay. And I eat like four eggs and then like, I have like a bunch of snacks with me and then I go and like be eating like bars or whatever, like the whole day while I'm climbing. And then sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't feel hungry and I won't eat anything all day. Huh. and. I've really developed the skill of being able to know when to eat and when to not eat for hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it can be like a pain. If you eat a lot and then you feel really heavy, you know, it's like not great for performance. But then yeah. sometimes if you like don't have enough energy and you eat a lot, then suddenly you're like super, super fueled. Yeah, yeah. But oh, actually, if I can uh, do a sponsor plug here. Yeah, do it. I So I have these bars. There's this company, Crafted. That okay. actually started in Austin. And so they like... Approached me and were like, "Hey, like try our bars, you know, whatever." And I tried them, and they're really good. Like they taste good, but they're also like somehow that balance of like you can eat a lot of them without feeling like mm. full, mm-hmm. but they're also a lot of energy, right? Okay. So they're like the perfect crag bar. Like nice. I feel like when you eat a Cliff Bar. If you eat like half of it, you're kind of still hungry. And if you eat the whole thing, you're like, oh, you know, they're so <laughs> I know, heavy. It's like, I know exactly it's like what you mean. Yeah. No, but crafted. Okay. They make these bars it's that perfect. are like, it's basically like trail mix, but like ground up in a bar and like okay. with some other stuff thrown in. I feel like if I had to compare it to something, it'd be a cross between like an RX bar and a Lara bar
0: oh that sounds great like a little
1: bit nuttier maybe i'm gonna
0: love this bar um
1: they're really good and they make sports specific ones they have like a climber one which conveniently is the best flavor um (laughs) don't test me on that it is the best objectively Uh um and then there's like a runner one and a cyclist one okay um
0: which you just throw in the garbage when they send you
1: (laughs) no i eat those too i eat those too but the climber ones are the best um yeah i don't know they're just like i i like to have like a option to, to have a snack while I'm climbing like I okay. don't always like to eat when I'm climbing a lot of times I'll climb all day and I won't feel hungry until I get in the car to go home
2: mm.
1: and I think that is good because then I like I'm not spending energy energy digesting
2: mm-hmm.
1: I actually think like digesting is like takes a lot of energy like it's, hmm. it's it's interesting because sometimes I eat and it actually makes me like less energetic if I'm not like hungry enough you know Yeah. Um, I'm, this is all talking like mid climbing day like, when yeah, I'm, like yeah. at home obviously I just like eat yeah. But um yeah, these bars are like really nice because it's like you eat them and you instantly have more energy, but then you also don't like crash, you okay. know, and you don't like feel tired from like just eating food.
0: Yeah. You don't um, feel like you have So to yeah, anyway, that's my and, plug, but genuinely they are
1: really good. Do um, they
0: sell them online? Them.
1: Yeah, they do. Okay, cool. Yeah, crafted energy, the look them up.
0: Sweet. I'll definitely link to them. Uh, what about a favorite sweet treat? Oh my god. Too many
1: way too many just way too many i
0: you mentioned brownies are you like do you gravitate towards chocolatey things oh i love chocolate yeah Yeah, i
1: actually i don't like brownies that much weirdly like i love chocolate and i love like bread but i don't like brownies that much okay um i love pastries like flaky like croissants Mm. chocolate croissants mm, this is a bad idea oh this is a really you should not especially because i haven't eaten dinner so you really should not get me talking about food um flan i don't know if you've had flan but it's what like this that? mexican custard dish that it's like a. Mm, it's not really a custard it looks kind of like a jello okay except for it's opaque it's not transparent it's basically eggs and sweetened condensed milk okay. baked but okay not actually baked like sort of baked and then it's got like this I'm not going to describe it in that much detail, but flan is, like, one of my favorite desserts ever. I'll
0: link to that in the Um, show notes as well. My grandma has, like, a family
1: recipe that's so, so divine.
0: (laughs) And, oh, my God, it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, Are you also sponsored by Evolve?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've been with Evolve. I actually don't even know since when. Probably, like, 2014 or something crazy like that.
0: What's your go-to shoe for comps?
1: Oh, gosh. Okay, so I have two. The Shaman is, like, usually my go-to shoe. I love the Shaman. It's so versatile. It's so comfortable. It fits my foot like a glove. Like, actually, this is really funny. So I had blown out my old pair of Shamans on my way to Smith Rock. Like, I don't really know what possessed me to not bring my other brand-new pair of Shamans (laughs) with me when (laughs) I went on this trip, but, like, immediately blew them out. And was like, oh, no. And I... I asked, like, I ordered a new pair, and they came, and I was in the middle of a climbing trip at Smith, right? So, like, I didn't have time to, like, break them in or anything, and I put them on and, like, immediately got back on my prod, and it, oh, my God, it was so nice. (laughs) They they just, they just, they're, like, pre-broken in. Like, they already fit, like, so well. Like, they're a little bit more painful, but just fresh out the box, mm, it was, yeah, I really like the Shaman. It's so comfortable. I can wear them all day. Nice. Um, Which is... I'm, I'm a bit of a wimp about pain mm. so like you know if i if i get a split like that's it that's my day okay and the shamans are really nice because they are soft like they have support but they're also like flexible you know like the toe is hard enough that you can like edge with it okay and it might just be like i've heard a lot of people who are heavier than me say that they prefer a stiffer shoe Got it. But for me, it's it's perfect, like, the amount of support that it has. And it's also really, like, it's bendy enough that I can wear it and be on the wall for, like, many minutes and not have my feet hurt. And I can, you know, put them on and off all day.
0: You can smear on them, too?
1: Right, yeah. Okay. They're, they're very, very versatile. And I wore them in comps for, like, a really long time. Um, Can
0: you like toe hook on, in them? I can't picture this. Yeah,
1: shaman. the thing is that they have straps. So okay, toe hooking right. is sometimes hard in comps when there's like a big toe hook that covers your whole foot. Mm-hmm. So sometimes for comps, I'll wear the X1 instead, okay. which is much, much more painful, mm. but the heel is really good and the toe hooking is also really good. Okay. Um, so those are definitely my highest performance comp shoe. But most of the time, like the shaman, I train in the shaman, I climb outside, like it's it's definitely my go-to for most situations.
0: Sweet. In that article, you said something really interesting. You said, when I'm at home, I'm a lazy athlete who watches movies. When I'm at a gym, I'm a serious athlete.
1: I'm pretty sure they misquoted me in on that one. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I would have said anything along those lines. I probably said something about, like, oh, I'm not a real athlete. Like, climbing is, like, not a sport okay. or something. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of people don't consider climbing to be, like, a sport similar to like other sports
0: do you think of yourself as an athlete
1: um I think I did more when I was doing a lot of comps I mean I I definitely do yeah but like recently I feel like it would be a bit of a disservice for me to call myself an athlete because I haven't done anything resembling training since March okay um
0: so the training component has to be there
1: I think so. I mean, I definitely have goals. Yeah. And I mean, I think climbing is a real sport. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But I definitely don't consider myself to be as serious as I once did. Okay. Like, I I would like to become more serious at some point in the future, mm. preferably before 2024. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Slightly at the moment, like, right climbing is always going to be something that I do because I really love to do it. Yeah. And... I take pride in like training and progressing in it but and like to be fair it does define like my entire life so it would be fair to say like I consider myself an athlete but I don't I don't have as much of a relationship with the sport in that way as I think I used to like I've definitely mellowed out about it a bit in like the past couple years
0: what about your outdoor climbing goals? You've alluded to that a couple times.
1: Um, I mean, right now, I just want to climb 14A because I've never done 514 before. And I think I can do it. Like, I think it's within like, yeah, my abilities you can at the moment.
0: definitely do it.
1: Um, but I haven't really found one that I think is possible for me and that I'm psyched on. There's okay. a couple in Rifle that I've tried that I think would be cool. Actually, I went to Smith with the intention of trying to bolt or not to be. Mm-hmm. And it was the most horrendous experience. It's <laughs> literally just credit card slab the whole way up. And, I mean, it's it's an epic line for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But personally, I did not have fun when I tried it. So okay. I just didn't try it again.
0: Got you, yeah. <laughs> um, did you try any other ones there?
1: Uh, I tried Batman briefly. Uh there was like a stopper move on it and I got more psyched on something else that was okay. nearby it so I didn't yeah. I didn't really continue. All right. But yeah, that's that's a pretty big goal of mine. It's always been a goal to climb like I don't know V13. Of okay. course, it's, if if someday I climb V13, then I'm sure I'll be like, actually, I want to climb V14. I know. Like, it, it's Isn't
0: always a annoying? goal to just get to the next grade. And um, you never quite get there before it moves. That's right, the annoying right. part. As soon as it's you like,
1: realize you can do the next grade, you're like, oh, I guess I better make goal my goal moves. further. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely how it goes.
0: Okay. Is there um, a specific V13? No. Okay.
1: I mean, I just, I want to be good enough to climb v- V13. It's not okay. even really about sending any climbs, you know? I guess most of my concrete goals have to do with comps. Um, so
0: The olympics are That's an obvious one Yeah, what are some other... I mean
1: I want to go back on the world cup circuit at some point I okay. would love to make a world cup final That's like that's something that I feel like is Close enough to attainable that it's inspiring mm. You know like saying I want to go to the olympics is so So far off that it's almost like okay. Well, yeah, obviously everyone would want to go to the olympics if they could, you know But you know, I made a couple semifinals and I love competing and I think that You know that'd be a really cool thing to work towards so i guess that's what i've thought of as like my eventual goal for a while
0: okay curious if this is a misquote that article said that when you're home you love to watch movies oh um not especially
1: I mean, I, I guess I like watching movies. Yeah, who
0: doesn't, right? But it's I not think like... I just
1: like. I think I just made a joke about like being a couch potato or something. <laughs> um,
0: what do you like to do when you don't have schoolwork? When you're not climbing? When you just really want to veg out and relax?
1: Um. You know, I really like to do like crafts. Like okay. I, so this is some. This is a whole another part of my childhood. But I went to a Waldorf school. Okay. And they teach you. It's there's a lot of things about Waldorf schools that, you know, are interesting. Some people say they're like a cult. <laughs> I think they're. You know, I loved it. What as a kid. What age range? Uh, K through eight. So, okay. So yeah, I went to public high school, but. I spent a lot of time learning how to, you know, knit and crochet and do woodwork and blacksmith and make sandcastles and...
0: That sounds sculpt awesome. clay,
1: and I loved it. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was was way better than normal school. Um, it was way better than normal school, <laughs> and in my humble opinion. But, um, yeah, so, like, you know, I like to kind of channel some of that sometimes. Like, I, I have a lot of random skills that I don't usually use, like, you know, felting and sewing and... All sorts of stuff like that. And my siblings all know how to do it too because they went to this school as well. And my sister has gotten like really into drawing. So sometimes we like have like, you know, art projects that we do together. And like I knitted like a little hat for my cousin's baby recently. And I like, you know, doing creative things, I guess, in my downtime.
0: Is there anything you're working on right now?
1: Um, At the moment, no. I've actually been wanting to start another project because you know I don't have school going on so I have all this time on my hands Mm -hmm. but yeah not right now because I am you know just here with with no none of my usual supplies that are at my disposal we have a really large stash of art supplies in our house at
0: home gotcha what is something that you have been feeling especially grateful for lately
1: I mean I think my situation like the more, like, terrible things are going on in the news and, like, that are happening, the more I realize, like, how privileged my situation is. Hmm. And, like, just growing up in, like, with my family and having not only, like, the financial security and, like, the support to do, like, and pursue whatever I wanted to do, which was, you know, how I got into climbing. And then also having this awesome sport that my parents were invested in and were, you know, psyched about it enough and supportive enough to, like, share it with me and my siblings in a way that was not pressing us to like do it because they were doing it but like really just sharing something that they love to do with us Hmm. um so yeah I'm really grateful for like having that just like that's that background with like my family and like all of the stuff that we do together and being able to like make a national pandemic into you know family bonding time yeah but at the same time I also realized that like my situation is extremely privileged and I feel kind of, you know, I'm I'm grateful for the like good fortune that I've had to not have to have my life be like upended by this pandemic and just have it like shift a little bit. But I also realize there are like a lot of people who are going through like some really unspeakable things right now, partially because of COVID and just in general. Yeah. And I think it's, Something that I've been thinking about a lot actually is that how disproportionately lucky I am to be in this situation. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm grateful that, you know, I've been afforded all this opportunity, mm-hmm. but I also think that I would like to do something to spread it around a little bit more.
0: It's hard to know what to do with that. Yeah. This is something I've been thinking about so much. It's so interesting to be here and to be one hour away from Portland.
1: Right. Where all those yeah.
0: protests are going on and a lot of people are you know. Being really kidnapped. <laughs> being kidnapped yeah. in unmarked bands. Yeah, there, there's that. But but yeah, a lot of people are doing something. You yeah. know, and it's it's just so hard to know. It's so it's so easy to be here in Hood River an hour away and, and kinda like have a lot of moments during the day where you can forget about that you yeah know, which is an incredibly privileged thing
1: yeah that's something about hood river that has always it's always been something that i you know loved about it as a kid and that i almost took for granted was that mm. it's it's so small and insulated and out here and it's very easy to escape here and to forget about you know everything bad that's going on in the world you're just in your own bubble and your own community and everything is peachy but now i realize that that's you know, a little dangerous to get sucked into that. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm here for the time being, but I also don't want to forget about, you know, one hour west, what's going on and like in the rest of the country hmm. and just in general. There's this is not what most of America looks like.
0: Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Where can people find you? On the interwebs.
1: Um, I mean, I have an Instagram. I haven't really posted on it in kind of a long time. Um, why is that? I kind of stopped posting. Well, I I actually never really liked posting on Instagram that much. With the like, the surging up of the Black Lives Matter movement that happened a few weeks ago, I started using my Instagram just to like disseminate information, basically, because I was in Austin at that point. Yeah. And I was, you know, sharing things about, you know protests and like what was going on and like trying to be helpful in that way because a lot of information that was available about what was happening was on social media and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the only social media that I regularly use Um, and I have a significant following a lot of like a lot of people that live in Austin so I knew that I could have like
0: yeah you have a platform
1: yeah at least a little bit of a platform Mm -hmm. and so I stopped like posting anything unrelated or that was unproductive for that basically okay. and then I kind of just never went back to it which I guess I'm gonna to have to at some point or um I'll be a bad sponsoree but <laughs> but yeah it's I think social media is increasingly important as like a tool hmm. at this in this current climate mm-hmm. because of how you know how uh, convoluted the media pathways are
0: yeah, it's really interesting what social media is doing for how we receive information as mm-hmm. well. That's something that I've, I wasn't really thinking about or I kind of knew that. Like I knew like the algorithm like tell or controls what we see and what we don't and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But something so interesting happened. I i was climbing with uh, Charlie Egan, my friend mm-hmm. and you know, who you've met at the cliff as well. And he's got a lot of friends in Portland. Yeah. And so when he goes on, instagram he's seeing everything that's going on about mm-hmm. these protests in portland you know he was like up to date every time he checked his instagram and i'm an hour away from there but i don't have i only have like one friend in portland yeah and i wasn't seeing any of it yeah just because of who i was connected with like what my engagements had been i just like wasn't getting that information and it's it's really odd to to think that's just really interesting. It's yeah. really odd. It's odd to be like an hour away from somewhere and to be using this tool to try to stay informed, but you really have to be aware of that. Like you have to be yeah. proactive about who you're following and and uh what information you're kind of seeking out on there, you know, and and it's really important not to just assume that you're hearing about everything that's, yeah. that's going on around you.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. I think that I've been lucky enough to you know, have a, a lot of people that I'm, you know, that I follow on Instagram that I'm friends with who are really informed and are really involved. Mm. And so I have been very lucky to like have a lot of information that is available to me. Um, but yeah, I think I don't actually really know how the algorithm works or how to manipulate things, Right. but I feel like the more people are like resharing stuff and trying to, you know, spread things and the more people are going to see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. The Instagram thing reminded me of one thing that uh-huh. I wanted to come back to. The power scream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw one oh of your Oh, my posts. God, that video. <laughs> yeah, there's a video of you in Red Rocks. I don't know what you are trying, but you were working oh, yeah. on your power scream. Okay, it so... It was pretty good.
1: That was, that was a funny story. My friend uh, challenged me to power <laughs> scream on this move. I was, that, that boulder is Wet Dream, right, I oh, think? Oh, okay, yeah. It's, uh, it's the one with, like, the finger lock where you... It's like a sideways, like, ring lock. Okay. You, um, it's It's kind of juggy once you get into it, but it's, like... For me, it was very scary because I, you know, I, I grab things. I don't, you know, jam my fingers in cracks very frequently. Uh-huh. And I was, like, really skinning my knuckles, like, dry-firing out of it and, like, bailing off of it. And I was I was kind of stuck on that move. And my friend was like, okay, you're going to do it right now, but you have to power scream. <laughs> and so I did, but I think I – it was not very natural for me, like, because I don't really scream yeah. when I climb. And yeah. so – uh, I actually I think I distracted myself by focusing too much on screaming and missed the hold. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean I wasn't sick in that move anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you think it helped?
1: Uh, the screaming? Yeah, the screaming. No? Would make you try harder? <laughs> no, I actually only remember one successful time I ever screamed. It was in veil on a slab of all things. All right. <laughs> I mean there was like some kind of barn dory move and I was just holding a lot of tension. I don't know. <laughs> 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 yeah, I used to scream, like, when I got really, really pumped. Okay. And I would be, like, have to, like, overcome the pain. Yeah. But it was more like a pain scream. <laughs> like, I would do a move and I'd be like, ah! But it was, like, pain. It wasn't, like, it wasn't like power. <laughs> there was no power involved at that point.
0: What is, what is, uh, can you do a quiet or an appropriately loud imitation of a good power scream? Oh,
1: no, absolutely not. No? No? Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like...
0: Is there someone in climbing whose power scream you aspire to have oh, one day is there an inspirational power scream out there
1: oh gosh i'm trying to think i mean we all know andre is like the legendary screamer
0: legendary um
1: I i've really never aspired to have that sick of a power scream, <laughs> i have to say it's not a huge goal of mine yeah
0: the um, silent crusher
1: yeah i don't know you know interestingly i feel like i don't actually watch that many climbing videos hmm. which i think puts me in a minority of people that climb like a lot of people that i know have watched like every video of every climb and i'm like i don't i don't know that climb and they're like it's super famous like wow what do you mean you don't know what it is and yeah I'm like well i just i just never i don't know um interesting but most of the like watching of climbing has that i've ever done has been like in person like i almost never like watch like streamed comps
0: okay um
1: and I actually just don't think that there are any competition climbers that scream that much. Like okay, there's a there's a couple, but like none of like really prominent ones that I can think of. I feel like people scream after they fall or like after they're like top a boulder and then they scream. Mhm. But yeah, I don't know. I've heard some pretty sick screams at Jailhouse. <laughs> um just the unnamed climbers that I don't know just really hollering up there. Yeah. But Jailhouse is like it really merits some hollering. It's a it's a lot of pump a lot, a lot of, of fighting
0: pain. a lot of pain yeah
1: a lot gotcha. of knee bars
0: mm. Mm. cool well Maya I think that's a good note to leave people with
1: yeah thank you for having me
0: yeah thanks so much I'm really glad that you were willing to do this it's been really fun to bump into you at the crag and to see you throw down on some of these really <laughs> badass roots
2: for sure and yeah, make thanks
0: pretty for quick work of them so <laughs> yeah I hope you have uh, more wind
2: yeah then you know what to do with so it
0: comes back so you can save some of it for good climbing conditions (laughs) (laughs)
1: hopefully we get some strong easterlies
0: (laughs) (laughs) right on uh thanks again take care yeah thank you all right see you soon If you guys would like to check out Crafted Energy and try some of their bars, you can go to CraftedEnergy.com and use the promo code CLIMBHARD30 at checkout for 30% off your order. That's CraftedEnergy.com and the promo code CLIMBHARD30, all one word in all caps with the numbers 30 at the end. And I'll link to their website and share the promo code in the show notes so you don't even have to write it down. I have no affiliation, this is just for you guys. And thank you to Crafted Energy for being so generous. They sent me some bars and they were delicious. So I definitely recommend. I also wanted to let you guys know that Maya had an accident at Viento just a few days after we recorded this conversation. The rock at Viento is fractured basalt and it is known to be a little chassy. And in this instance, Maya fell on a bolt and a chunk of rock with the bolt in it came off the wall. She is okay, she had to get some stitches, and it sounds like she's back in action at this point. But it could have been a lot worse, and her incident is a good reminder that this sport can be dangerous. It's easy to become complacent when we're clipping bolts, especially when we're coming out of the climbing gym. But rock quality, bolt placements, uh, these are things that we should be thinking about and looking out for. And I want to be clear that this was in no way Maya's fault. There's no way she could have known this might happen. I just want to let you guys know in case you've heard me talk about Viento, or we're thinking about checking it out, or if you climb at your own local cliff where Choss is a factor, be mindful, inspect bolts, look for fracture lines around bolts, and keep each other safe out there. If you want the gory details, Maya did share an Instagram post about her accident, and I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to read the whole story. Much love to you guys. Be safe out there. We'll see you next time.
2: Cause No one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Because no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.